What a fun series. The games people play, I mean, we're talking about games that most of you have played at least once. Today is Scrabble, the power of words. How many of you like the game? Like, oh, a lot of you. Who has never played it? Okay, not very many, a few. But you probably still know how it works. But if you have a program, follow along, and we'll kind of walk through four or five things today that I want to talk about. It's a big topic. It's a very serious topic. And I'm going to really give you all I got from the, from the core. I have a, a lot of deep feelings about this today. And so I hope it can be presented in a way that you can get it. Because sometimes when I feel like I do today, I can't, I just feel like I'm not a good enough communicator to get it out in the way that I feel it. And so I'm, I'm working hard to, to take you with me on this. But number one is just the game itself. Um, the game itself, Scrabble. If you, if you don't have any idea, I'll just take a minute and kind of explain. You have these, these little planks that have a letter on them. Um, the letters of the alphabet, multiple letters in some cases. And they have a, a point, a, a number uh, that is associated with how many points you get for making a word using that plank, right? And it actually, kind of like the front of your program today, it makes, you know, you put them on the table and you lay them out and you kind of make like a puzzle-looking thing and you can use other people's letters and it's kind of fun to come up with words. Like, for instance, uh, the highest letters are Q and Z. How many points? Ten. Those of you that play a lot, you're looking for the Q and Z, right? Uh, You get eight points for letters like J and X, So just think about this. If you get a J and an X and you get a vowel like an A, that's only worth one. But you could still put the word like Jacks, J-A-X. Because like we have a Jack store here in town. Right? Is that right? Could I do that if I was playing Scrabble with you? Oh, you legalists. No, it's not, it's not a word you can use, but it's a store. It's a real word, jacks. In northern Colorado, we say, nope, can't use it. How many of you play with a dictionary in hand? And you've always got the, the guard. Nope, see there, not in there. Done. Be honest, how many of you do try to make up words when you play Scrabble? You just do. I do too. I, I just, it's got to be in there somewhere. It sounds like a word. I've come up with some good words that should be words. It doesn't work. But in life, that's often what we do. We choose words, even though they may be real words, but we say them to hurt. There should be a rule against using certain words. I'm not just talking about cuss words, though they could certainly be included. I'm talking about hurtful, harmful, hateful words that are used to get even, to dig, to harm. And we have a lot of ways to do that in our culture. We're good at finding ways to blow people up with words. I I was last night... In our Saturday night service, we have a, uh, a lot of people, but this one guy, uh, Eloy Martinez, he's, he's a man in our church who's been a long, here a long time. Many of you know him. But he, he often has little thoughts or, or uh, quotes or things. And he said, after the service, he came up and he, he said, um, when I was a little boy, uh, I, I lived in a place called um, Espanola, New Mexico. Anybody know where that is? And they used to go down to this little 
uh, dime store and they would buy like nickel candy. Remember those days? Hard candy and stuff. And he said there was a little plaque uh, right at the front of the counter. And it wasn't big, it was just small. But he said, I saw it as a kid. I'm talking elementary. I saw it so many times that I memorized it and I have never been able to forget it about words. And I, I want to share it with you because I think it's a very powerful quote. It said, I am the master of the unspoken word and a slave to the words that should have remained unspoken. I'll say it one more time. I want you to think about it. I'm a master of the unspoken word. In other words, I should have given that compliment. I should have given that praise. I should have said that. I knew I should have, but I didn't. And yet I'm a slave to the words that should have remained unspoken. Why did I say that? You have that moment, you know, you send that text in anger or that email, and you kind of go, whoa, 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 give me that back. Let me rephrase that. But sometimes once it's said, it's pretty impossible to take it back. That's what we're talking about today. And it's challenging because usually when we say things that could be labeled mean, we have already justified it in our hearts, in our minds, and we say it intentionally. Would you agree so far? Maybe? Some of you. All right, that's good. Second thing in your outline is this. Even little words can leave a big impression. Even the, the smallest word... I mean, the word no, for instance, N-O, could be life, a life-changing word, depending on what the question is. The word yes can be a life-changing word, depending on what the question, what the discussion is. These are very, very important. Matter of fact, let's just, let's just say it together. Ready? You've heard to say it if you know it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie. It's totally a lie. Why do we teach our kids to say that? You know why? It's in the hope that we can teach them to be tough enough to not let someone's word or words take them out emotionally because we know that they can. Sticks and stones? Yeah, I can get repaired from that. But those words, they impact the psyche. They impact the courage of a person to think well about themselves. And I'm telling you, when Jesus said two most important things, love God, you know, love your neighbor as who? Yourself. If you have, a, if you have trouble loving yourself, you're not going to do well at loving your neighbor. That's why this matters, you guys. That's why this is important. So I'm taking you to a random proverb that hardly is ever used for a sermon, but it should be. It's, it's powerful. I do this thing, and I've done it for years, where uh, there's 30, there are 31 Proverbs. So there's typically no more than 32 days in any given month. I know all of them, I mean 31, and all of them don't have 31, but almost half of them do. So, so I try to read like a proverb a day. It's just easy to keep up. This is the ninth, this is the eighth, this is the whatever. Read that proverb. So I come across this occasionally, but listen to what it says in, in Proverbs 18. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. <laughs> I love the New Living Translation because, I don't know, I just don't expect to see spouting off in the Bible. I don't know why. I laugh at things in the Bible. No one else does. I'm used to it. But that is a great statement. The human spirit can endure a sick body, 
But who can bear a crushed spirit? You know what that's saying? That's saying, I can actually handle the sticks and stones. My body can endure pain or sickness, but you crush my spirit, I really don't have anything left. And usually our spirit gets crushed by words that are meant to harm, that we receive and we deposit, and we don't know where to put them, and we don't know what to do with them. And guess what? We can't get rid of them. Wow. I, I think about uh, a little quote from Seren Kierkegaard, who, she said this. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. I like that because, you know, sometimes you look back in your life and you kind of go, oh, I, I get that. I see I, that makes sense. That happened. That resulted in this. And now I have hope. That, that changed me right there. That crossroad changed me. And I learned a lesson there. Even the bad things sometimes end up kind of having a positive result in your life. But we don't know what tomorrow holds. That's why we really need to pay attention to the words that we receive and the words that we give. I don't want you to go too deep in this. But some of you could recall a moment of wounding words. You could recall some moment in your life that just smashed your spirit and it was like done. You, did, you didn't know what else to do. You didn't know what else to say. I hope you can't remember too many of those. But this is why my words must be a huge priority. We must take the time to really control our emotions and live with understanding and patience to keep from using words that wound other people. Even if I feel justified. I, 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 think, I think when I read a proverb like this and I think about what it says, it, it, it shows me how our culture, our social media in many ways have, have taken this to a new low. Like people have just been wiped out. Uh, emotionally, just gone, just, just shredded because of what people can do through anger and bullying and lying and, and posting things that are not true. And, and even if they are true, is it appropriate to, to post such things? You know, navigating the pain of harmful words from people that you loved and maybe still love may be the biggest reason for depression and suicide in our culture today. I realize that's a big statement, but I don't think it's an overstatement. I think it could really be true. Why? Because words pierce us like nothing else. Identity is connected to people's perception of us. That's why this matters. This is a, a deep psychological issue in our lives, and it feels like our only defense is to pick the sword up that they used because it's a double-edged sword and go to slaughter. If they're going to say that about me, then I'm going to say this about them. And hurt and pain, guess what? Creates more hurt and pain. But I'm justified in this my anger's real, my frustration. I feel like I deserve to get my point of view across to everyone. So I start making up the words of Scrabble in life 
to try to make some points for my side. To try to have the right to be right. Let me just say it again. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Number three, will I be a lifetime learner? Now what happens in this proverb is it shifts gears. and it's, At first it doesn't quite make sense because it's going from this whole words thing to this whole other thought. But I'll tie them together. It says this, and sometimes Proverbs does jump around. But it says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Would you agree? Hopefully that's you. That's me. That's us. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. In other words, I haven't shut that down. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to recognize there's more to learn in my life. And then, then it's it stated, it says, giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. And what this proverb is saying, those days there were a lot of nobles and kings, and anytime you would meet someone for the first time, you would take them a gift. And it wasn't just to butter them up, but that gift was to say this, look, I respect you. And people can start a relationship out of respect. In our culture today, depending on how someone looks, they might not even start with mutual respect. Well, I don't really like them. Well, have you met them? No. But I can tell by the way they walk. I can tell by what they're wearing. I don't like them. I can tell. I mean, what if God did that? I mean, we judge people. We have this perception. And I think I just want to say, be a life learner. This is an attitude. What are the habits that you need to change in your learning ability? What are the words you need to get rid of in your vocabulary? What are the argument, uh, argument points that you no longer need to lead with when you're in a discussion with someone who doesn't share your point of view because it never brings success. It always brings pain. It always brings hurt and sorrow and ending a relationship. Are you going to learn? Are you just going to keep doing what you always do? See, we're good at coasting. We get lazy. In our learning. <laughs> Matter of fact, I, I think of this because it's so, it was such a fun day. We, we typically try to have a, a pastor's retreat each year to kind of just refocus on our pastoral team. And, and in Colorado, it's wonderful because you often have really nice resorts. We have a ton of them. Vale is one of those places where, you know, after summer is over, it goes into what they call the mud season. You know what I'm talking about? That's what they call it. And it's, the summer's over, everybody's back in school, vacation time's done, but the slopes are still closed, so everything goes cheap. And so we, we were going to Vail for our retreat, and not that we're cheap, but we are. Anyway, um, so, so we, we decided that we were going to take our bicycles, those of, that wanted, I think we had 20-some bicycles, loaded in a trailer, and pulled up to the top of Vail Pass, where we unloaded them, and rode like 25 miles downhill all the way. It was awesome. It was so fun. I, I just remember, I remember getting all the way to the bottom and like, <sighs> 25 miles, yeah. 25 miles of cycling. <laughs> My hand's a little tired from the break. It was easy, 
It was fast. It was effortless. That's what we love. That's why we default into those same tactics that we always fall into. I, I get so tickled. I, at, I, I saw this the other day. There was this chair. Okay, I'm going to just explain it. And you're going to know exactly what I mean. It's a piece of canvas or nylon held together by two pieces of aluminum. And you open it like that and it becomes a seat. You set it on the ground. You can take all your body weight off. You just sit down. It's very relaxing. So that's a pretty good invention, right? So next to that was a chair with a backrest. That's even better, right? And then, and then I started looking at the evolution of the. Then there was one with a cup holder. So you've got a chair now that, that can take your body weight. You can lean back in it, and you can actually put your drink in a little cup holder. Then next to that was one that reclined. I'm not making this up. It, it, it goes back, and your feet are up. You're sitting in the park in a recliner with the drink of your choice, and then they had an umbrella that attached to it. You can sit there with an umbrella. Then they had a little spot that attached a cooler. <laughs> then you could add the wheels because you can no longer lift it with the cooler. You can roll it. And then they had holders for your phone and little pads for your keys. And then they had, I'm not making this up, a solar panel that you put on the umbrella that plugs into your device so your phone never runs out. And then a tray for food. And then you could actually add a water mister. Dude, I bought one. <laughs> no, I didn't really. But I might. I just thought to myself, that is so typical of us. I mean, you go from an $8 basic chair to a 300 resort condo chair. It's crazy. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a nice chair. We like our stuff, but we like comfort so much. Can I just challenge you? Can I tear you away from that for a moment and say, please, be a life learner. Be the best single mom or dad you can. Be the best in the nation. Be the best wife or husband if you're married. Be the best grandparent. Be a good student. Do the, Why? Turn it up in your mind. Get off of the lazy couch in your mind and learn and grow. Why? Because God created you with more potential than you could ever see in yourself. But our culture pushes us to go average. Let's not be average. Let's be the people who don't slink back into harming and throwing words and being angry. Let's be people who know how to use kindness, who can offer grace, where grace is so limited now in our world. What would it be like? Could it change the world? I believe it can. Oh, wow, I haven't preached in a while, can you tell? Yeah, it's a cultural thing. No, you don't have to clap. I, uh, I want to invest in relationships, but I want to be accountable for my words. And I want you to pay attention. And I want you to really do some examination like I'm doing about the words that are helpful and the ones that aren't. And the ones that honor God and the ones that don't. Let me just go to point four because this is big. Can arguments be helpful? I don't think it's a yes or no answer, but, but there's some variables here that I think we should talk about because of what the proverb says. 
can arguments be helpful? Here's what it says. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. Have you ever been there where you go, yeah, I like that opinion. That sounds good. Then you hear the other side and you go, whoa, okay, good point. I better pay attention to that if it could lead to that. Flipping a coin can end arguments. You know why this proverb says that? Because flipping a coin has no emotional attachment. Everything with words and feelings and crushing my spirit, all that's emotional attachment. Flipping a coin is generic. It's sterile. It's heads or tails. It's yes or no. We're done. Move on. But we don't like to do that because then we don't get our way. It settles disputes between powerful opponents. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city, probably because of those harsh words. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Some of you have been there. Some of you know. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I try to stay up with current events. I think it's important. I think it's responsible. And I'm having a hard time because the papers that I read, I don't, and I don't care which network. I mean, I'm not here to, but if I watch CNN, I'm mad. If I watch Fox News, I'm mad. If I watch whoever's sitting at the table, then they bring in these people from the other side and they try to have an argument. But guess what? Everybody just keeps talking. Do you ever just want to say, shut up? Oh, sorry. We shouldn't use those children. You should be in the kids' area. I just can't believe it. I just, they just talk over each other like no respect, no care, no. And I want to just say, I think we might could change the world. First, I had this thought. If we could just listen. And then I thought, then we would never be able to give our opinion. Because they would just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And it's, it's a really scary time because these, this idea of arguing about everything doesn't resolve. Can it make you think? Yes, it can. But it's important for us to be people who will say, I want to have clarity in the conflicts that I have. I want to understand someone's side. You know, I think arguments can be helpful. My, my wife, Bonnie, it's a good point that I, I thought of. We don't argue that much, honestly, but we're very different people. And um, sometimes I have to just think in my mind, I need to completely listen and think about what she's thinking and how she sees this and her perception before I give her the solution. <laughs> I'm kidding, ladies, I'm kidding. I, I, I said that on purpose. I, I felt a shoe coming at me right there. I was like, whoa, that's a joke. But sometimes that's what we do. We think we're listening or we act like we're listening, but our mind is already made up. And you see the conversation, you see it happen when someone else is giving your, your, their view, you're going, and you're just waiting to get in there instead of just going, okay, you talk a while. Try to convince me. Help me out. Conflict is not easily resolved, but it can be necessary if truth and integrity are the goal. But just being right doesn't always win. And that's the challenge. You guys, I, I want to say something here that you might be mad at me, but I, I got to say it. I'm thankful that I live in a country with freedom of speech. But is it biblical? 
Does the Bible say, oh, yeah, you have freedom of speech. Say it. Say whatever your opinion is. Yell it out from the street corner. The Bible says weigh your words. The Bible says you're going to be judged by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Maybe, maybe I should pay attention to what I shouldn't say. Maybe it's godly to not always have to be right. Maybe there's something really powerful about us as a people group who are followers of the word of God to pay attention to the lines of when it's helpful to speak and when it's helpful to pray. I don't know what the answer is, but I pray for discernment that we can have it because we need it. We need it in our culture. Last thing, learning to use right words. I mean, the right words, I'm not a wordsmith at all. Like, it's always funny because different speakers have like, they'll have 10 pages of notes and it's like line by line a word for me. Like I have thoughts. Like I put an outline together and then I have thoughts and I'll put like, tell this story of whatever. And then I, I, I some sentences I, I really need to get right and so I, I work really hard at it. But like, listen to what the proverb says. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring, look at that, death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What is that saying? It's not saying bad or good. It's saying it could be good or bad. If you're saying good things, you could reap the consequences of some good stuff. If you're saying bad things, you're going to reap the consequences of bad stuff. So I've been praying lately, Lord, show me what matters most. And I, I just feel like, I feel like it's like this. My, my words are weighed on, on this side. And yet my actions, my lifestyle, is, is in there somewhere in the totality of my life, right? So what I have to do is I have to work hard with God's help to bring my lifestyle and my actions and my behaviors to match my words so that my character and my integrity are all going the same direction. Can I fully do that every time? I haven't. It's hard. That human piece is there, but can we put that effort, can we trust God, can we believe God to help us when it's not easy? Yes, we can. And this is the hope. This is my hope today and this weekend is that you will re-examine your words and that you will really pay attention to what you don't know about yourself. Because we usually think we have the opinion we have because we're usually right. And that can be the subtle mistake that we make. Be a learner. Be open to what God's putting in your heart and be a biblical lifestyle person. And that still has a lot of questions. I know this doesn't answer at all. But I want to pray with you. Would you join me? Lord, this topic could just go on and on. There's so much in Scripture about words. 
Oh, help us. Show us. Lead us today. Make us tender where we've been really calloused. I don't, I don't think I can do that in myself. Because those calluses are there for a reason. I was wounded. You gotta be tough in this life. <laughs> Lord, show me how to how to navigate that in a way that does honor you and pleases you. And not just to get calloused so that I can endure, but so that I can be open so that I can be healed. With heads bowed in here and in the South Auditorium as well, those of you in there, I just I want you to really examine this. Um, some of you might need to pray. Don't raise your hand to this, but you might just need to pray right now. Lord, forgive me for those words. Forgive me. And tell him why you need forgiveness and, and you need to be clean. It might be that it would cause more damage than good to try to go back and fix it with someone. I get that. But if it would help to apologize to someone where you didn't use the right words, then you should do it. That's biblical. Don't try to do it with reestablishing all the relationships. Some relationships are, are goodbye and gone. This proverb just said that. It's, it's hard to renew friendships when there's violation at, at certain levels, and I get that. So you move on, and you don't live with the hurt forever though you acknowledge it. And you pray that you are healed. See, you can't just get over it. That's, that's a mistake that we make in our culture. You have to be healed by the Spirit of God. And He can heal you today. And that's, that's that next thing that I want to specifically pray over all of us. I need healing from either a, a broken relationship or rejection or something that got into my psyche and today is a new seed that's going to be planted. It might not fix everything, but it's the beginning of a new seed and that's what I'm praying for. Lord, right now, I ask you to do a miracle in this room. A miracle of healing that goes into the cortex of the brain that man cannot do. There's no surgery or operation or knife that can fix this, but the Spirit of God can. And you can heal people today. And you can let us start anew. And then show us who we need to talk to for practicing this new seed that you've put in us and overcoming the patterns. May we be learners of new patterns of ways of thinking. And may we break those old patterns that led us to destruction. I thank you, God, for this proverb. And I thank you for your mercy and your grace for your words of loving us and laying down your life for us and for calling us friends. We love that and we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.